0: From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, you are listening to Art Waves, a mini-series about art, local artists, and spaces open to art in Mendocino County. I'm Victor Palomino, and with Marty Durlin, we will explore the local creative sector with conversations about art, the creative process, inspiration, local spaces to see art or make art, and more. In episode four, we visit the Medium Gallery, the new space for the Ukaya Arts Organization, the Deep Valley Arts Collective, followed by a conversation about circus arts with the Flint Creek Circus. We begin our program with the Deep Valley Arts Collective.
1: My name is Lillian Ruby. I'm the president of the Deep Valley Arts Collective.
2: And uh, my name is Chris Pugh, and I am the vice president of the collective. And it's
0: one more person here that is part of the collective, and her name is?
1: Meredith Hudson. She's our treasurer and secretary.
0: What is the Deep Valley Arts Collective?
1: Boy, the Deep Valley Arts Collective. Well, we're a nonprofit organization that supports artists and the arts in the community. We're based in Ukiah, and we have, as a project of ours, we have created the Medium Art Gallery. Mm When it comes to the collective aspect of our name, when we named ourselves, it was with a much grander vision in mind, and that was one that included having a, a much larger group of people that could form together and have like studio space and various different opportunities. Hasn't happened yet, so we kind of wanted to establish the name uh, at the start, so you would name later.
0: So why, why did to start an arts collective here in Ukiah?
1: The three
2: of us have our own art practices, um, and we're active in the community in various different ways. We wanted to offer artists who inspire us a, sp- a place to show their work, and the type of art that we like is not generally made available or has the opportunity to be uh, shown locally. And so our, our space is really sort of to find artists in the community who may or may not have opportunities to show their work elsewhere.
0: And it's in a non-traditional place. We are in a shopping mall. You have a neighbors, like a bank, a credit union, and a, some, <laughs> a Chinese restaurant. So. <laughs>
2: Yeah. You know, honestly, we didn't expect to open a gallery. Five or six years ago, we started having this conversation about bringing new energy. That's probably a better way to say it, bringing new energy into the art community in the Ukiah Valley. And when the pandemic happened, um, some of us lost our jobs. We were in lockdown. And that's when we decided to start the nonprofit paperwork to, to form the nonprofit. And it was Lillian and I at the time. We brought on Meredith shortly after that to fill out the nonprofit and We did some online stuff with online shows to give people an opportunity to show their work of the lockdown where we couldn't, you know, go see each other and do things. And so that was an easy thing to do on our website, put up a gallery of images and call it an art show. And we did that a couple of times. With Um, a Zoom opening? Yeah, and we did Zoom Zoom calls and things like that. It was great. It gave us something to focus on. And then in... I don't know it must have been february of 21 an opportunity to partner with the pear tree center here to use one of their space we opened a gallery in the middle of the pandemic which is we didn't expect that to happen it just sort of um, an opportunity arose and we jumped on it
0: at the beginning was just like a group of artists wanted to get together find different ways to show art here in ukaya but a gallery wasn't the first idea what was that first idea what, what when you started what do you have in mind
1: The first idea really incorporated more opportunities for making art also, Mm -hmm. so not just showing art. We did come together with like, well, there aren't enough galleries in this area to support the many, many uh, artists hidden amongst the woods, right? So then there was also, there was no, say, figure drawing. Uh, ability or like all these various things. Chris had a, a small uh, like photography walk that he would do on occasion, and there were things like that. But it was just really seldom that there was anything that was really exciting. And we thought, well, gosh, why can't there? Why can't we make that happen? Stop complaining about what isn't here and make it happen ourselves. And we actually did start a figure drawing class um, back then. But it it, and it was okay, it went all right, but we didn't have a space, so we always had to coordinate a space with some like we had a hotel that allowed us to use their space at no charge and we would charge people for the class and then pay the artist that way. And it was really just trying to make an opportunity to do more art. So that's kind of how it started. But we all brainstormed at that point Mm -hmm. and had all these really fun ideas and I mean, it just kind of fell apart not long after that from there for various reasons. But it was really nice to pick it up where we left off during this time and have it really kind of, I don't know, pick up momentum very rapidly and get a wonderful response from the community. Um, We've heard people, I mean, after the last opening of this show saying, I feel like this is my second home which was everything we were looking for years ago.
0: So you you have found out that the arts community, it's bigger or smaller, or that you were thinking?
2: Or... It's actually much bigger than we were thinking. You know, I thought I knew a lot of people in this town, and, and I do, but once we started putting out calls for entry, there are names of artists who came through that I had never heard of, and they still are. They still come through, and I'm like, "Who? Who are you? Where have you been?" You know, it's really, really a nice thing to see, um, especially when they just walk in the door and they're like, "Wow, this is so cool! How do I show my work here?" And then you know, we explain to them the process, and then they submit, and their work goes on the wall. It's really amazing.
0: So that's interesting. How the the pandemic and then the, the trying to find a solution for not having a space is kind of like creating that collective that you're looking for
1: yes actually in a way when well, now that you put it that way yeah, it, I it mean, has I
2: guess I hadn't thought about it like that but all of these artists are the collective a community and we're just giving them an opportunity you know to get their work in front of people and, and that's how
1: we think of ourselves as a community art gallery because we want people to feel like this is theirs as well not something that we're doing but something that we're all doing together
0: together yeah why do you want it to be a non-profit
2: there's an interesting aspect to what we're doing is we don't take money from the artists so we don't charge an entry fee and we don't charge a commission uh, upon sale of their work we do give them the option of donating if they choose um, but it's not required we found that the optional donation works for us you know our bills are being paid we volunteer our time we have other people who come and volunteer And oftentimes, money is a barrier to entry. And so when we remove that, we give artists who may not have ever shown their work before an opportunity. And we've seen that um, in many of our shows, first-time artists come and show their work.
1: And we had all experienced some level of that ourselves individually, but also what I found most interesting about that is how it impacts the artwork itself you know and this is just my the way my brain works but when you take away the money factor it's going to change what's shown in the gallery because it's simply on the merit of the work itself you're not asking is this marketable you're not saying is this something we can sell to have a commission to support the gallery it's just does this move me you know and that's really what we were lacking in the community to us that we weren't being moved by Artwork that we were seeing, or we were seeing a lot of the same artwork a lot, and we knew we knew that there were so many more people in the woodworks, so that's what we wanted to see more of.
2: Yeah, so I guess that's why the nonprofit model. Um, we operate off of donations, grants. Uh, we are a new nonprofit. We're a year and actually, yeah, a year and six months old, and so it takes a little while for a nonprofit to get established before you can start applying for grants and. So we're kind of in that lull period of, you know, looking at grants, but not really being able to apply for them. But that will be a larger focus uh, in the future for us. We don't have all the answers, you know, and a lot of this is trial and error and, and figuring it out as we go and getting advice from people in the community and... Someone will walk in and say, "Why are you? Why aren't you doing this?" And we're like, "Why aren't we doing that?" <laughs> you know, and then we start doing it. I think that is another aspect of the community part. Who are the people who come here? Who who are your constituency? Well, yeah. I mean, we have a regular group of people that come, and you know, our schedule is a little weird. We we rotate our shows out every two months, mm-hmm. so the show you know in the later month, people may have seen it already or or whatnot, but. Every time there's a new show, there's definitely a, a flux of the same influx of the same people that come through. Um, they're excited to see a new show, to see that what we've put together. You know, a lot of people in the Pear Tree Center are walking by, and they'll stop in the window and they'll say, "What's that?" You know, and they'll come in and and they'll ask, well, "How long have you been here?" And you'll tell them a year, and they're like, "What? <laughs> like I didn't realize that." Uh, you know, a, a few times we've had people come up from Sonoma County saying they saw it posted on a on a message board or something. Saying go check out this show, it's really great. Or first Fridays in town, or 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 a, a to do, and and now that that's sort of happening again, that's really great that people go out on First Friday to see art, and um, our openings are well attended.
1: Yeah, I think it is a pretty good mixture of, of you know, walk-ins, people who just stumble upon us, and and the regulars, and then you have people who have been recommended to to see the show, which yeah. is really in. <laughs> heartwarming I It don't know. is. it's
2: like you're here and like somebody will come in for the very first time and they'll say you know my friend told me to come in you know they said the show was really great and I, I had to see it and and you know that that's great like we we put on a lot of work in these shows and so to hear people recommending recommending it to their friends and whatnot is really great
0: it's your first years and you said you look have changed the art every two months so do you have uh, six artists already maybe more um, yeah. We've had
2: like eight shows. eight shows. Yeah, there was a small one in between there, a month long one. Um, that was an interesting show. We, we, we held a show for um, Adele Pruitt who was a 99-year-old artist. Um, we had the show in January. She was an educator and a painter most of her life. She lived here in Ukiah. She had students. She taught um, them how to paint. She led figure she drawing. She continued to teach. And she continued to yes. teach until her, her passing, sadly. She passed two weeks after the show ended, which was really bittersweet for us. We felt really great that we could put on like sort of a last show for her. And the community really came out to see it, and it was great. What other shows have you have here? What a-
1: Typically, it's kind of like we alternate between a theme and a medium. Basically, like like this show is photography with no theme; it's just anything photography. And prior to this, we had uh, Encounter Culture, which was more uh, thematically based. So any medium was allowed, and it could be anything that was something you would encounter on the street, or you know, it could be graffiti, what have you.
2: Uh, Before that, we had a a youth show, under-18 show, which was
1: probably our
2: our most well-attended show. All the parents and grandparents (laughs) and aunts and uncles and everybody came out, and that was a really great show. And then before that, we had a collage show, and that one we had artists from the Bay Area come up and uh, have their work in the show. Um, there was a lot of, like, punk rock, gritty art in it, which was really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you... I was
1: sad to take that one down. Yeah, that was our <laughs> favorite. We're going to do it again, probably. Um... That will probably be, we imagine that the collage and youth, at least, will likely be annual, mm-hmm. uh, so you can expect to have those every year um, because we had such a good response for them, and we felt like for what we put into it, we really got a lot back um, of involvement. Mm-hmm.
2: Then we had the Adele Pruitt show. We did a small work show, which is, it allows artists to sort of clear out their studios um, (laughs) around holidays uh, to sell things at a more affordable price, you know, for gift giving and whatnot. We
1: did Light and Dark. Light
2: and Dark. It was sort of a, it was meant to be sort of a Halloween Type show more dark (laughs) art, but
1: or the contrast between light and we were leaving it to interpretation.
2: That's actually what we do with our themes: is we sort of lay out some groundwork, but it's open to interpretation. However, the artist wants to sort of run with it, and oftentimes we'll get things that don't really fit the theme, but they're really great pieces of art, and we'll either accept accept them or or we won't. That's sort of how it works. You know, we come up with an idea and put it out into the world, and then Artists respond by submitting their work, and and then we sort of sort through it all and put together a, a show.
1: We have we have an artist who has been in almost every single show I think, and he treats it like a prompt for his own work, right? Wow. Oh, what's what's coming up next? I'm gonna try. And he made his first collage to be in the collage show, which was fabulous. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and then I heard I heard that he he doesn't do photography, but I heard he was half tempted to go do photography. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I wish he would have honestly, Man. because that that is actually why we do what we do, is we want people to go out and make work. We want people to be out there actively pursuing their art habits and you know creating work and that's why we're here
0: yeah and kind of like challenge the creative mind it's right?
2: almost yes, like a challenge yes. yeah that's how we, we should treat it yeah, a challenge. i think so
1: i treat it that way <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> did we talk about this show did we talk about no, the process of this show not let's a talk lot. about a, a, about that a little bit In, so what was the call
2: the call was simply just juried photography photography as you know you can take portraits you can take landscapes you can take whatever and so we wanted to leave it open so we just asked for photography I think with the show we got a pretty good mix of work Um, there's a handful of portraits there's a some abstract work that makes you kind of stop and look at it for a while to figure out what's going on
0: and you had divided in like black and white color, not, not or really. that just happened during the curation.
1: Basically, the show is broken into three different sections. There's the kind of all the submissions entered together, and then there's the uh, there's one wall devoted to the Ukiah Photography Club, which some also submitted to the more general show as well. So we have the mixture in the one area, the Ukiah Photography Club in another area. And then we had kind of a tribute wall to my parents, (laughs) which um, I have some pieces that myself and family members took of my mom during the last year of her life. And then there's um, a few photographs that my father took, and uh, both of them have since passed away. And nobody had seen my my dad's work before, and he was a really amazing photographer. So, you know, I I asked the group about what should I submit? Should I submit these pieces? Um, and so they're together just because I liked seeing them side by <laughs> side. <laughs> it, it's
2: a it's a it's a great conversation piece, you know, because it you really have to sort of stop and look at it for a while and take it in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'm wrong to say that it's a little overwhelming to some people, but, um, and that's also something that we don't shy away from here. We don't control what people submit or we don't Mm -hmm. limit them. We don't censor them. You know, we've had work that pushes buttons and that's okay. It's open. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, art, art should be, uh, disturbing it sometimes. (laughs) Um, so I've
1: had wonderful conversations with people after putting that up and I was really kind of on the fence about sharing an intimate time. Although in my case, my mom asked to be documented. And so I felt like it was kind of okay to share this, you know, intimate time, but I've had people share with me complete strangers, you know, moments from when their parents were passing or, you know, really touching stories, um, talking to me about their family members having cancer and, Um, you know, battling this illness. So I think that's part of the power of art, right, is to connect people, to make you feel something. Uh, One of the artists in the show said, that's photography, which I was like, oh, so touched by, you know. (laughs) And,
2: And he has these amazing landscapes on our walls, you know, and he's the type of gentleman who, who will drive to, you know, the middle of arches national park or or whatever and sleep in the back of his truck for a week just to take a photo you know and and i I feel like that was a great compliment to lillian for him to say that
0: i mean so the space is also helping you as a human (laughs) and as an artist
1: right Right. and you know they're not exclusive (laughs) it's uh that's the the beauty is i mean i feel like the humanity of of us all i mean we've worked through so many things with people during this time and we've had people uh, in tears over various shows you know um, tears of joy tears of just they're going through something in their life and this has been a way for them to kind of express themselves that they didn't know they needed maybe Uh, so that has been i think the most really rewarding part of this whole process
0: do you have uh special exhibition do you remember from all this, the exhibitions that you have of this year? Do you have a favorite one?
2: Um, well, mine was the collage show. You know, I listened to punk rock music. I, I really like that sort of aesthetic. It had a lot of gritty sort of, I don't know, angry pieces in it maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it really fit the style of art that I like. The last show was really great. We had, people may know who she is. We had some pieces by an artist called The Velvet Bandit. Um, She's a street artist who puts up wheat pastes around town and they're usually around actually all over Northern California. Um, They're usually sort of funny or or have some sort of commentary about some political issue or whatever. And we scored some pieces from her and she brought them in and we put them in on in the show. And so that was really great. And a lot of people came in. they were like, I know that artist. I've seen her work around, you know, and so that was fun. I'm looking at it right now. We have this couch that's left over from that show that we decided to keep. And so the last show was like, it was called Encounter Culture. It was a graffiti street art, abstract art type show. And we wanted to have an interactive piece in the show. And so I think Lillian in her mind was like, we have to have a couch that people can tag and and draw on and, and whatnot. And one of our people we work with took that to task, and she found this, this leather couch. Maybe it's not leather, pleather couch on <laughs> um, Craigslist, and it was free, and it was in Sebastopol, and she was going down that way, and so she crammed it in the back of her Subaru and brought it up here, and we bought a bunch of markers, and people just went to town on it. There's legit graffiti tags on it. There's little drawings. There's little phrases. You know, little kids drew on it. Adults drew on it. <laughs> The, the Velvet Bandit, the artist who I had mentioned with the street art, when she came to pick up her art, uh, she asked if she could wheat paste on our couch. And so <laughs> the final piece that went on the couch was a, a wheat paste from the Velvet Bandit. And it's on the couch um, mm-hmm. on display at the gallery, if people want to come see it. And yeah, and the couch was a big hit, you, you know, on our first um, night of opening the show for that show, like there was a whole crowd of people around it, just drawing and writing messages on the couch. And and if you look at it, there's a lot of like pride messages. There's a mm. lot of, I, I can't read some of it. Some of it, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, um, some, some of it is, we uh, have to bleep that. Yeah. Some of it would need to be bleeped <laughs> out. Um, you know, but there's a lot of uh, positivity on mm-hmm. the couch. And I just think it was a fun thing to do. And, honestly i could see doing it again you know
0: it was my first time walking into the space and it does draw your attention and it mean and it makes you feel i don't know it goes really well <laughs> with the space for when, some yeah, reason
2: when, when that show ended we debated like what do we do with the couch do we get rid of it and we we're like no let's just keep it yeah. and like people can sit on the couch it's there if you want to come and hang out on the couch it's there like <laughs> you know, i'm hanging out
1: it's okay. our, our conversation piece to stay yeah
2: Yeah. There was a, there was a gentleman that came in and he was like, is it for sale? And we hadn't even considered that. Like (laughs) we were just having something fun to do. Yeah. He's like, well, think about it, (laughs) you know. It's
0: now a piece of artwork. Yeah, Yeah. I I hadn't considered that at
2: all.
1: Right, when we had the collage show, we had a a collage that people could add to Mm -hmm. and a big table full of scraps of papers and stickers and things. And so having that where, you know, you come in and you see all this work on the wall and and often people are like, I wish I had submitted to this. Like, you still can. Come over here and, and make this piece of art, and you can have it hanging in this show. Like, that's what I think is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and for, uh, for the photo show, it was hard for us to figure out an interactive option, and we landed on uh, cyanotypes, which are sun prints, essentially. That was a really big hit. We have a, quite a few pieces hanging over there, and uh, it will be here for people when they want to come in during op- our open hours, and we can help them make a cyanotype if they want to. Um, we have a little UV light, so you don't even have to go outside. I enjoyed it. Yes. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think I would. Um, Some
1: people actually were very expressive of how much fun they were having. It was <laughs> like watching adults turn into children again. <laughs> actually, that, that happens a lot. You yes. know, we had, yes, we had one does.
2: night where um, it was like a, a button-making making session. Lillian has a button-maker machine, machine yeah. and we put it out and, like, There was one gentleman, he just started making buttons for everybody. (laughs) He would draw little pictures on them, and here I made you a button, and he would just, he was there all night (laughs) making buttons. It was so fun.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're creating a space, creating community, and bringing a lot of different feelings to people. That's exactly
2: what we're trying to do here, is Mm -hmm. create a community for people to come and hang out and look at art, make art, feel comfortable, meet new people, run into people they know. However... it it works it just it works
0: yeah Um. (laughs) and take out that kind of like a barrier that sometimes art have when it's put on a wall and it becomes something like serious and you mm-hmm. have to talk about and you have to have a glass of wine and like yeah. you know, <laughs> know about the perspectives <laughs> and
2: things yes we, we, we had wine for our last uh, show yeah. but I think we're more of a beer gallery honestly <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, to be honest. I, I think we're gonna do beer next time <laughs> <laughs> I mean it hmm. is kind of our vibe we, we listen to you know we put on music you know that's not jazz or smooth jazz you know um, and we had wine yes but we'll have beer next time and we put some snacks out. We really just have fun doing what we do.
1: We want it to be welcoming. We want it to be fun. Um, we want people to try things for the first time and feel comfortable to do so whether that's submitting for the first time or making something they've never done, you know, trying a new process. Uh, all of that is is what we're here for. Yeah. yeah.
2: And just meeting new people, meeting new artists. It's a, it's been amazing
0: so you have the space you have you're doing all this community work uh what do you think you're going to do next with the collective with the the art shows and with the non-profit in general
2: well like you know our big dream is to open an art center and and we are working on that as much as we can um it's you know doing a lot of strategic planning writing a like a real business plan for it and and whatnot. And that's a long-term goal. I don't know. I don't know. I can't calculate how many years that's out. But right now it is just, I think, to keep this going and support as many artists in our community as we can.
1: Certainly. We want to expand what we're able to offer here as much as we can. Um, That's limited at times because we're all here on a volunteer basis, so our time is limited. But, I mean, we have started doing that to a certain extent. In every show we have interactive art pieces because we want people to not just experience the art but but take part in making art. And that we want to expand to have more art-making workshops and even just, like, critique groups or, you know, various things like that where you can just interact with others and talk about art or make it. um, Because we just don't see enough of that in our area.
2: Yeah, and I think now that we've been doing this for a year, we see where artists need help, I think, more now. Artists aren't great about talking about their work, um, and so that's an area where I think we could probably step in and give them some guidance. They're not great about writing, you know, descriptions of their work. Framing. Framing is another one, yeah. Framing, Framing. is actually a big one. Yeah. yeah. You know, displaying yeah. their work. You get all kinds of things. You get people just bringing in work that's not even in a frame, and they're like, just tape it to the wall. Um, <laughs> you know, or or you get frames that are, you know, cracked and busted and that you cannot hang on the wall or they'll fall and break. Yeah. Um, so it's a whole whole range of um areas in which I think we can help artists improve
1: it's it's a hard balance for us at times because we really want to support the artists and not turn people away but also give them some gentle guidance to to make themselves more professional and sometimes that can be a a heavy load for us so if we can create ways to better uh, teach them to do this too that would be a real great asset I think
0: so I think you said this at the beginning, but this is kind of like a space that you wish you were had, and you're developing as an artist, in oh, your own sure. professional yeah. Art career.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've I've been a photographer in the area for I don't know twenty years maybe, and and you know I've shown at coffee shops, I've shown at um, the library, I've shown at the corner gallery, I've shown at uh, someone's office building, I've shown in you know, a winery, you know, and and those are all great, but. You know, a space like this that that you walk into and there's, you know, there's work from your peers. You know, in this show, there's something like 87 pieces or something by maybe 50 artists. I don't know the exact number, but it's really rewarding to see your work hanging next to other photographers that you admire yeah. or even artists in general. I shouldn't just label it photographer. But.
0: It creates kind of like a networking uh, because sometimes, I mean, art is... Uh it's a lonely profession. You're by yourself in the mm-hmm. studio. You don't, I mean, you might see, get influenced by different things, but you're working with you're by yourself, and you don't have that many opportunities to talk with other artists. You we have actually that-
2: do see that from time to time. There'll be an established artist in here who will run into a, a starting artist, a new artist, and they will exchange numbers or ideas and, you know, ask them a question, and, and they'll say, oh, you need to do this, or you need to call so-and-so, or or whatever and that's great that's one of the things I think we want to do more of is sort of create a, um, a database if you will or a, a, a way to connect people together like um, an
0: artist directory
2: or something, something like I mean the arts council has an artist directory this mm-hmm. would be more like you need something framed call so and so you need like a resource like a resource Henry page Facebook. you know yeah. of, of like mm-hmm. things that could help artists you know further along their practice mm.
0: have you learned Something about specific about yukaia art through the process of curating this art? Is there like a I don't know, like a team or there's like an influence there's or there's something more, that you can say? There's
2: way more artists out there than we had ever imagined. <laughs> um, I would say that first and foremost. Um and they all want to be involved.
0: Uh what's your next show?
1: Our next show is Memento Mori, roughly uh, remember that we all must die, so we live for today because <laughs> we don't, we can't expect our, you know, our last day to be tomorrow. We never know. So I think that really, over the last two years during a pandemic, that's been ever present in our minds, that we never really know um, what's going to come next, mm-hmm. and that we have to just appreciate the day that we have, the day that we're in make the most of this life. So I know people are going to interpret that any way they see fit, (laughs) and that's great. It kind of, we had some thoughts about doing some kind of of end-of-the-year Halloween, Dia de los Muertos kind of aspect, and we thought this would really encompass everything, and we are planning to have a community altar in the center of the gallery, so that would be our interactive piece that everyone can contribute to so i'm excited to see what that yeah i'm means. really
2: curious to see what <laughs> types of art will be submitted to that show um because it it leaves a lot of room for interpretation and so i'm excited about that one um we have a lot of work to do to make it happen but but that's why we do it because we want to see the artwork
0: is that going to be f- for a 2d or 3d or all medium or, all, all, all kinds of?
2: Mm-hmm. All mediums, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I've been slowly telling people about it, giving them heads up, people I know, <laughs> you know, saying, hey, you know, I think I think you have something, start thinking about it. And, and they're like, oh, I, I have stuff for that.
0: <laughs> so the current exhibition is going to be open until when?
2: It runs until September 25th. Um, we take a couple of weeks between shows to swap out. And so there's a little bit of a break between shows. And then the next show will open the... Um, October, first Friday, our show's open on first Fridays. And so the October first Friday will be Memento Mori. Yeah, it would (laughs) run
1: through the end of November.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. We put up a show and then immediately start working on the next. And (laughs) it's not that we forget about this one. I mean, this one just went up last week. And and we're already working on the next, you know, and it's sort of never ending. The show must go on, um, <laughs> as somebody said, um, somebody famous. Um, you know, and we're thinking about, we're trying to even think further out. We're thinking about what's after Momentum Mori, what's mm-hmm. after that. And mm-hmm. I think we'll just keep going for as long as we can.
0: How people will find you?
1: They can go to our, our website. Which is deepvalleyarts.org. Of course they can come to the gallery on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday and the Pear Tree Center.
2: Yeah, find us on social media, Instagram. Well,
0: thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for the space and, and for agreeing to the interview.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you.
0: You are listening to Our Waves on KCYX. I'm Victor Palomino. The Flint Creek Circus is celebrating their 20-year anniversary with a performance called Balloons, Birds and Other Flying Things. We have the opportunity to talk to them via Zoom about their show and the circus arts.
3: I'm Blaise. I am the owner and artistic director.
0: Hi,
4: I'm Ross, and I am a Chinese pole acrobat and uh, musical comedian. Hi, I'm Mimi. I'm uh, one of the French artists in the
5: show. Sorry
6: for my excerpts. Uh My name's Zachariah Garn. I'm the drummer and bartender and trash star.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no real. <relevance.
0: laughs> Well, thank you again, everybody. And yeah, I guess my first question is just tell me a little bit about the circus history. I know that this is your 20-year anniversary. So just tell me a little bit how, how it started and, and why to create a circus 20 years ago.
3: I was a visual artist, actually. I was doing performance art installation gallery work. And I was interested in learning about rigging so that I could like, hang sculptures and whatever. Um, And I found out about a circus that I could do an apprenticeship with. So I went there. This was in England um, with the idea that I was going to learn how to do the tent and and this sort of thing. And I just got sucked in. And I trained with a fifth generation Romanian circus family there. Hmm. Before that, I had done a lot of things. But this was the one thing that was everything. It was creative. It was hard work. It was always challenging. I never felt like I had a handle on it. So I decided to start a small show in the area. And then just over the course of many decades, we've been growing growing our show.
0: And do you think you have a handle of it now?
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> Every day is an insane challenge. That's just constant. I'm always learning things you never wanted to learn, but are useful. And then some things that you're really grateful that you learn. And lots of things that you never really feel like you ever really learned hmm. same art lesson over and over like
0: and it's kind of like a collective art because you have i mean it's there's four people here that represents all different parts of the of the circus so it's not it's not just yourself like when you're a visual artist you're in the studio by yourself doing your thing but this is a collective
3: the show is a collaboration of everybody who's in it every year it's different. The people are different I mean, the show is different because of that
0: yeah. So, you started with small presentations in, uh, in the area. <laughs> and what happened after that? What, what was like something that makes you grow the circus and get like international presenters and, and do different things?
3: I started uh, quite a long time ago doing like crazy parties in the woods. Mm. <laughs> and then um, we sort of stopped for a while while I traveled with my partner, my Chucky's partner. We did like, we just sold our act to different shows around the world. And then we re- sort of started again in a more professional way with our show when we came back to the U.S. in like 2014, 2014, I think. We sort of, that's when we first got a tent. We did like small events all through that time, but the international notoriety came mostly from us as performers going abroad.
0: So is, do you think that like having a tent, like creating a tent is make the, this the it was like the formality to start the, the circus, it was like a, a the, another step.
3: Yeah, definitely. Before we got tent, we were directing shows in England for other circuses. So having our own tent really that was a big
4: step.
0: I can just throw this question around for uh, the other participants: Is like, how did you get involved in circus art?
4: So I come from a theater background. Then in college, after college, I was living in Chicago and started. Uh, studying circus there and, and uh, got into clowning there. Starts um, training with a company called Five Hundred Clown, and one of them had gone to a school in Northern California, a little physical theater school called Del Arte International, um, which, which is a school focused in the Lecoq tradition, which Jacques Lecoq was a physical theater. Mary in the 60s and 70s who started a school in Paris. And um, so I went there and studied physical theater forms, clown, media dell'arte, and so on and so forth. And from there, I found out there was a school in, in San Francisco and that there was this master Chinese teacher there. And his name's Master Lu Yi. And so I went there, met him, and I had the option to, like, continue doing an MFA at El Arte or go study with this little Chinese, like, master who was so, like, I remember the first time I went there and he's like, I walk in the room with, put out your, your hand. And I'm like, okay. And he's, like, testing my wrist strength, like, seeing how like strong my wrists are and like just it was so bizarre and i but i was like okay i want to go train with this guy and so i trained with him for six years doing chinese pole and chinese acrobatics of all forms but i focused on uh chinese pole with him and the rest is history <laughs> yeah.
0: can you can you describe to me a little bit what is chinese pole
4: so chinese pole was uh is a traditional chinese acrobatic form and back in the day you know in rural china they would have things around like pots or benches or tables or whatever and they would started to experiment with them in make these acts so you'll often see like people with these big clay pots that they're like tossing up and the air and catching or umbrellas or you know stacking chairs and doing hand sands on them and Chinese pole was originally the, built like it was a conditioning thing so they just had a big pole that was now they're like about 18 to 20 feet and now the rubber-coated, so you have rubber around it, so you have more possibilities of doing drops and clips and stuff. But back then it was probably like bamboo or mm-hmm. something very hard. So they were doing conditioning on it, and then they started to figure out different... They could do tricks and do handstands and flags and work in teams. And it very much is that traditionally was a collaborative ensemble act. But over time, it's like there's more solos and duos. And,
0: and you create stuff. like a choreography for that? You create like your, your when you're preparing your act?
5: I think every artist has a way out to create an act. And like you said, Chinese pole now involves a lot. So for my part, for example, now I'm doing Chinese pole, but more like a dance on the pole. It's a duo with my husband. So it's a completely different kind of pole, uh, like uh, Ross is doing. And me, I'm barefoot. Normally, you always have shoes on the pole. And to climb, it's easier. So me, I don't really climb on the pole. I climb on my husband, but he is on the pole. Hmm. And it's kind of a a dance together. It's more like an end-to-end.
0: And how did you get into... Ch- that that type of uh, uh, circus art? How did you get into uh, Chinese Paul?
5: A completely different background. I began uh, gymnastics when I was really young. And after that, circus, but just for fun. And at one point, I decided to do uh, like uh, professional. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I'm from a, a small town in France, so it was difficult to know you can be a professional artist. Especially when your parents is not very aware of this idea, uh, yeah. I decide to, to to be strong and do what I want to do at the end of twenty four, which is already old for circus. circus apparently,
3: hmm. it's
5: fun. I tried to do circus school in France. We have a lot of uh, preparatory circus school and uh, national circus school. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, this is normally uh, are you doing a uh, country and um but me i was too too old so i there, and after that the director say, oh you can walk which is well, not so easy but i tried and uh, i went to uh, switzerland with a traditional circus mm-hmm. also. and after that it's a lot of meeting and with people one moment i was in a good direction i don't know how you say you know when uh you are in the good uh, place at the good moment.
0: Mm-hmm. And Zach, uh, you're the drummer. And uh, I mean, like I was saying, Circus is a collective. Uh, tell me a little bit about the what your part in the Circus. I've been
6: with Flynn Creek. This is my second year doing a tour with them. And it's also I think it's their second year having live music. Yeah. yeah. So the first time I worked with them, i actually got a call while i was traveling in thailand from an accordion friend named Kale yamanoa who had been contacted by a audience member who had gone to see flint creek and the story he told me was he went up to place david after the show and said i've always loved coming to see your shows but i wish you had live music and they said yeah we did too why don't you make a band and so he called some friends that he knew who ended up contacting me and it was a it was a great tour in 2019, and then the world took a slight hiatus. Uh, though Blaze and David did not, they persevered uh, through the pandemic and had a show that again wasn't live music. And then this season, uh, an old contact of theirs, Eric McFadden uh, and his partner Kate Vargas, are working in collaboration with Fun Creek to do a CD release tour, and plays and David reached out to me a number of months ago to see if I'd be interested in coming on this contract and and working with these these musicians and I was happy to yes.
0: What's the big difference to make music for a circus act than just make music for a for a band or like for a different kind of performance?
6: Yeah, that's a good question. Each season is different. The first contract we did, we used a lot of Calais original music that is flexible and adaptable to the acts. And there was a, a fair amount of improvisation at the beginning of the tour that coalesced into music we use, structured on the acts in front of us. And this season, since the two artists are releasing a, uh, an album, we're finding a balance that works to present their original music uh, and then blend their rock and roll style with the circus. Ends. I mean, it's, it's like nothing else. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning... Their music, and then we're all learning the acts together and finding medium grounds. Keep highlighting their aesthetic and what they want to do and make it work for the acts. Ross' Ross's act in particular, he has a beautiful duo act with his partner Ika uh-huh. that uh, is right before the intermission, and it's, it's been a bit of an odyssey to figure out how we're going to take snippets of uh, uh, Eric and Kate's original music and, and castation onto what they're doing, and, and then also try and convey Blazes. Always, always simple (laughs) and discreet and never too general lessons or or life themes all wrapped up into one. So, you know, it's a work of practice. That's why I say I'm also the trash star because when it gets too overwhelming, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I have to go deal with garbage. i just going to go go stick my hands.
0: So it's a work that continues, like it's never the same.
6: Yeah. One of the running jokes is we'd love to have a time to rehearse the show. And a a lot of it is like the artists have been explaining their... They're bringing self-realized acts to Blaze, who's then tying them together in a narrative form. So it's it's constantly evolving.
0: Tell me a little bit about the the show right now. The show
3: <laughs> title is Balloons, Birds, and Other Flying Things. And mm-hmm. the theme this year is the elusive nature of time pulled through various memories that are strung together in these little vignettes that are loosely, you know, from just a narrative Concept about a father and a daughter, and their just basic life journey, just the the cycle of life. The father and daughter form some memories together. At some point, the father will die. The daughter then, you know, carries on living, and possibly, you know, having repeated time memories with her father. Anyway, it's very sweet and sentimental. It's a really different format than we usually do. We usually do like a very com- comedic, usually very absurd narrative that's a one story all the way through and this one is these like little mini stories collections mm-hmm. that do loosely go together we're getting pretty good reviews from it i think it's a strong show we like it Do we like it we like it we don't
0: know and how do how is the process of creating the the pieces like you come up with the idea and then you start working the different choreographs with all the different artists
3: Generally, I write the show, the big picture, and then I cast the show to that concept. But once all the artists come together is when it like really gels. And over the course of the season, like the show in the beginning is a completely different show than the show at the end, because especially this show, this isn't typical of circus. Um, We really encourage artists to contribute artistically. We change things. We revise things like. For example, the the piece that Ross actually made the piece to the story this year with his partner Ika, but in the process of making the piece to the the memory that he was sort of assigned, it evolved pretty dramatically into something different. And so now we're we're reshaping that whole whole scene currently in front of the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Every night, every yep. night. Yep. Um, for example, Mimi and her husband came with this just incredibly beautiful. Chinese pull act that's very different from Ross's style which is very acrobatic and daring and their piece really fit already like we didn't really have to change anything mm. we just painted some story around it yeah there's a it depends on the to the degree of how how much we want to tweak it
0: do you have a different story of a different team for every season or do you repeat things
3: it's different every year.
0: Uh-huh. It's
3: different every year and it's a different cast every year, though we do. Um, we often invite the same artists back. We rarely have the same act from the same artists, certainly rarely back to back. But sometimes it just makes sense and we do that. But mostly it's a completely different cast and completely different acts.
0: Uh-huh. One thing that makes uh, circus art so unique and, and different from other types of performances is like you live and travel together for a long period of time. And and that's like a, I mean, it's like a 24 hours collaboration, I guess. And, and it's not only like as artists, but also as people. So tell me a little bit, how how is it to live in a, a, as a circus group traveling around the world and presenting your act
5: it's uh, pretty easy finally because everybody are very kind and uh between each other we help between each other so it's not it's easy and also we have our own little house so i mean if you don't want to be with people just stay in a room and uh but um it's not how it works we we are outside we have a, a tea a coffee a beer together and it's uh it's pretty easy, even if during the build down and build up, it's with a smile and it's uh, even it's a, it's a lot of work. It's good vibes.
0: Do you do you participate in the build up of and putting up the tent? And you all, you all are part of that? <laughs> yes.
4: Yeah, it's a all hands on deck kind of situation. And so um, we the schedule is that uh, on Mondays we jump to a new location. Um, and we also finish a teardown from the day before. So, we jump to a new location. We start, we lay out the tent design where it's going to be on the lot. We do as much work as we can on Monday. It depends on how long that jump is. Then, on Tuesday, we have usually a very long day of setting up, it can be like 11. 11 hour day
3: when it before i contract artists i try really hard to explain how physically demanding the job is because we're not typical it's not typical that um it's such a small casting that all the artists are doing everything there's some other shows that do something kind of like it but ours is like it's the hardest Mm -hmm. for sure we made it that way because one we're small and we we need it to be that way but the main reason is because because we're all doing this really hard work together, and we have to work together, it creates a, a community of collaboration and a, and a sense of trust mm-hmm. that conducive to creativity. That's the, that's the main reason we do that.
0: Do you think that's closer to how Circus worked like a hundred years ago or something like that? There was like everybody participate in, 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 in the production from moving things, building things and, and the show? the
3: smaller family shows yeah. yeah
4: but like bigger shows like ringling and stuff they you know they had entire crews you yeah. know circus has changed a lot since that time with the advent of tv and radio and mm-hmm. stuff so definitely it was different but also probably the same so if we get everything done on that tuesday wednesday we get off and we all there's also camps happening so mornings there's kids camps Mm. on wednesday thursday friday or Mm. thursday friday saturday then we'll have a show on thursday evening friday sometimes one two shows saturdays two or three shows Mm. Um, sundays two shows the sunday shows are earlier in the day and as soon as that second show is is done in the middle of the heat, we start taking the tent down mm-hmm. and do it. So every week it's the same. Wait. It's pretty pretty rigorous.
0: How long is the season?
3: It depends. This year, like four and a half months, maybe. Our longest is five months, and our shortest is three months. It just it depends on bookings, basically. And, uh, cha- the challenges have been immense. So the
0: How do people? react to circus in these days i mean it's like a like you were saying it's it's so different how it was in the past and like people might have a conception of the circus of a completely different thing but how is it to be in a circus today and booking and moving and it's
6: amazing i mean it is consistently amazing one of my favorite things to do is i get to start i get to start the show so i have an opportunity of of waiting for everyone else to sort of finish up what they're doing and get prep for me to start and I just love watching the audience because what I what I realized after watching the show 15 times is the show does change a little bit each time, but the big thing that changes is there's new people in the seats every single time. And they're having a, a kind of a universally similar experience. It's mm-hmm. just amazing to watch these different crowds form and then we have this opportunity to guide them along this same this sort of same path. And it's it's extremely satisfying. But I think long, I think long form entertainment, especially in a live setting is something that people are needing now yeah. i think that the, especially after so much isolation but i mean just in general that like the, the physical feeling of watching somebody drop from 18 to 20 feet up face first at the ground is exciting <laughs> yeah. every single time i've seen it 30 times it's exciting every single time for me yeah. and it's it's just it's remarkable to watch a, a, an audience react to that it's it's really exciting
0: and how how do you see the future of the circus? Like, is going to change because now people do things digitally, people do things, and and I mean everything is changing. But circus still take that uh, human part—the acrobatics, the gymnastic—is very like an like an old art. How do you see the future of the circus?
3: There's a lot of different types of circus. It's it's funny we're right now we're in petaluma at the sonoma marin fairgrounds and right before we got here there was a different circus that had kind of been on the the exact same lot that we are and right when we leave there's another circus coming and if you were someone who was inclined to go to three circuses you would see three very 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 different shows the first show is a big show with the the motorcycles and the globe really exciting but not a lot of, no storyline very much about the tricks mm-hmm. and not a lot of artistry or choreography. Our show is it's more of a social engagement than going to just see a show. It's it something that's different about our show. As you go to the show, at the end of the show, you kind of feel like standing up and hanging out and talking to people. This isn't, typical of most circuses mostly you go to another show everyone gets up and leaves Mm -hmm. our show we're waiting 20 30 minutes sometimes before the audience (laughs) will actually leave so we can start the next show and there's just something about the environment that we've set up and the type of show that we're presenting that invites people to be social the the third show that was that's coming to the same location is a very very cute quaint show that's very much for kids Mm. and it's like you bring your kids to the show so they have a memory of going to the circus. And it's totally different, all three of them. So I feel like circus is continuing to evolve. It's continuing to find its niche. There's a show for everybody. Yeah.
0: Do you see that younger generations are getting involved into learning the circus arts?
3: Yeah, I actually serve on a jury for a uh, circus festival that happens in Las Vegas. And it's primarily for emerging artists. And wow, these young kids out there like the the 14 to 23 year olds are artistically strong their dance level is strong their technical level is strong i mean they're really they're taking it to the next level it's definitely a an art form that is most definitely growing i don't see this art form in any way crumbling maybe it will be presented differently mm-hmm. like maybe the circus is something that is i i don't know i'm not going to try to predict but the art is very much alive.
0: That's good. Yeah. That's good to know. Uh, tell me, where can people find information about the circus and, and your future performance?
3: FlynnCreekCircus.com. That's the easiest way. You can book online. You can read about it. You can see videos. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Are, are you uh, coming for Mendocino anytime soon?
3: We'll be in Ukiah from August 18th to the 21st. And then we'll be in Fort Bragg for the Labor Day weekend. So those are our last two. Oh, and then we'll be in Boonville at the end of our scene. We always go to Boonville for the, well, always, as since last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's our finale <laughs> spot. So that's always fun.
0: Well, thank you all so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your... Yeah, <laughs> thank you so sure much, right,
3: yeah. It was really nice chat
0: Thanks for listening to our waves here in KCYX, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting.